everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 529. Ellie's got a gun. podcast i'm frank joining us always with eddie eddie so what'd you think of that pro bowl (laughs) (laughs) yeah not a topic that we'll be discussing not a fan of all-star games really in general not my thing do you want to say because it's an american thing (laughs) no 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 not at all it's just just doesn't like just turns into a stupid exhibition and they've never really found a way to do it in a kind of a meaningful way and it just doesn't the the nfl one in particular just because of the timing the week before the super bowl it just doesn't interest me at all i like and i also don't understand the ones that are in the middle of the season like hockey like this is like the one chance players get to rest but instead of resting they have to go out and do a bunch of stuff you know it must be i mean i'm sure it's fun like the NHL one was in Miami. It looked like everyone was having a blast. But still, at the end of the day, I'm sure some of the players who didn't go and get to catch up a week on rest and just relax probably enjoy it just as much. Maybe. I mean, I know you make money from it too, right? Those There's bonuses and stuff. 42000 I, I think it was. I'm, I'm pr- yeah, I'm pretty sure you're happy. <laughs> I don't think it's exactly physically taxing. So I'm sure you take the, the money in the week of events over <laughs> nothing to do. Speaking of taking the money, <laughs> Manchester City seems to have caught themselves in some uh, trouble. Yeah, no, it's unclear exactly what's gone on so far. I mean, they've so Premier League released the fact that they've been found to have breached financial regulations a hundred over a hundred times over the course of about a decade. It's unclear. Now it will be, an, there's now going to be an independent investigation into all of these areas to see, you know, find the kind of full details of exactly what went on. And then it will be up to the Premier League to decide whatever the punishment is. The interesting part being the punishment could be, I mean, could range in terms of its significance from sanctions and financial punishment all the way up to, well, Points deduction being the probably the most likely of the severe, on the severe end of the scale. Although expulsion from the Premier League could technically be, be the punishment that seems highly unlikely to be an outcome. And also, I mean, the Manchester City has previously, with UEFA, found themselves in hot water over financial irregularities. There, they've always been able to go to the court of arbitration uh, and kind of get tangled up in incredibly expensive, never-ending legal cases where they just have an unlimited budget that means that they eventually win. This time around, the court of arbitration is not an option for them. So there could be an appeals process, but it won't be as never-ending as it is through UEFA. So much more likely that there's an actual outcome from this, but it will be interesting to see. It's still a long way off any kind of real meaningful 
event, but is it, it might. Is it surprising to you that this investigation takes four years? So it's it's an investigation of the nine years being 2009 to 2018 season. So this is a four-year investigation. I mean, that just sounds a little outrageous. Like, what are they investigating that takes four years worth? Well, part of their... One of the issues is is that Manchester City have not cooperated with the investigation. So that alone has been one of the areas in which they've been found to be in breach of the Premier League's rules. So, I mean, I guess there'd be people... Uh, inter- it's like a full audit of all of their books and then looking into all of their you know, activity, it doesn't surprise me that it takes four years, really. I'm I mean, sure I've seen that's... the accountant. Ben Affleck did that in two days for a company <laughs> yeah. with one with one clear whiteboard and a marker. <laughs> it's true. They just needed a an autistic hitman, and then maybe they could have done this a lot faster. But no, it's... Neuro, uh... Neurodivergent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's... Uh... Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it took four years. And it might take another four years before we get to a point where anything real happens. But it could be significant. I think it's not only significant for Manchester City, though. This has implications for other Premier League teams, uh, You know, especially when you see what's going on with Chelsea in their current spending spree. This is probably a little bit concerning for them to see uh, this kind of thing going on elsewhere. And also for the potential foreign investment into the Premier League, this is maybe a little bit of a warning sign. You know, if you are an American or, uh, you know, someone from the Middle East thinking of pumping huge sums of money into a Premier Premier League club that you want to buy, then this is maybe an indication that you, you'll need to be a little bit more careful about it. But as with anything in... The Premier League and European football, we'll have to see when the kind of rubber actually hits the road in terms of what this punishment is, because this could be a lot of fuss and a lot of headlines. And then in the end, it's, you know, Manchester City slapped on the wrist with 10 million pound fine that their owners really don't care about. So talking about a period where they've been incredibly successful, I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone to find out that they've maybe bent some of the financial rules during that period. We'll see if they're actually held fully accountable. Well, and I according think to managing- City, their their response was they're surprised by the issuing of these alleged breaches. Well, yeah, but I mean, they have to say <laughs> that, right? What? We're surprised? <laughs> A four-year investigation that we repeatedly told them we're not going to help with or refusing to help with? <laughs> but yeah, no, it will be... And, you know, look, it's this also Pep Guardiola has spoken about very, he's been very open in the past that he's doesn't want to be part of a team that breaks rules. He said that the honesty coming from the executives and ownership at Manchester City to him is important, that it's important that when he asks questions that they answer them honestly. So this could also be... Uh, breaking point for Guardiola in his time at City if he feels as if the way the club is is being run is not in line with his own sort of moral compass. So we'll see what happens there as well because 
you know, we can transition then from the audit into the real life events on the pitch, but he cast a very <laughs> frustrated figure over the past, well, over the past 48 hours in particular, but over the past few weeks, he clearly hasn't been super happy with what's been going on there. And, you know, this could be either contributing to it or so far or adding to it in the future. Yeah, Manchester City had a very uh, disappointing performance yesterday against Tottenham. They just didn't look as if they were ever really going to get going. And I guess the big talking point in some sense was, was Kevin De Bruyne being left out for tactical reasons. But it's difficult to see what the tactical reason of leaving out your <laughs> best player is. Yeah. So there's probably a little bit more to that than... Pep Guardiola is willing to let on, and and you know, and when you throw in the Cancelo leaving because of him being a disruptive influence in the changing rooms, it seems as if Guardiola is probably unhappy with the behavior of a number of his players, and he's trying to sort that out, and he might not be able to sort it out fast enough for City to get themselves back into the title race because they that was a big missed opportunity with Arsenal having yeah. slipped up on Saturday lunchtime against Everton. It's kind of felt very similar to, you know, when City drew with uh, Everton and then Arsenal followed that up with a draw against Newcastle. And we discussed yeah. the fact <laughs> that that was a missed opportunity to kind of put the foot down. The same with City. Had they won yesterday, all of a sudden it would have felt like they were right there and that the title was slipping away from Arsenal. And instead, even though the Arsenal defeat to Everton is way worse than City losing away to Spurs, like it still ends up with the chance to close the gap slipping through Arsenal's fingers, and you don't know, uh, through City's fingers, sorry, and you don't know how many times in the remainder of the season they're going to have the chance to close that gap again. Yeah, so they're, what, five back, and I think Arsenal still has a game in hand. And... Yeah, it seems as if no one wants to no one wants to win here. Both have had opportunities to, you know, Arsenal to lengthen the gap or City to close it, and they both kind of failed. And I guess at the end of the day, both of those, like you're saying, both of those weekends kind of match each other and it's uh, kind of void each other out. But yeah, it's 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 strange to me. I, that City performance was just bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it was one of the worst I've seen from them in a long time. They just yeah. never really hit their stride. If you compare it with the performance against Spurs a couple of weeks ago where they were, you know, two down, but then they were able to put together a comeback and it, in the second yeah. half it felt inevitable that they would win. This time around in the second half, it just never really looked like they'd score. Erling Holland was a complete passenger throughout the game. Oof. I didn't even know he was on the pitch half the time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he did. <laughs> and it's interesting, right, with the Holland analysis because this now of the past... 24 hours you've had multiple people coming out and saying well maybe he went to the wrong club maybe this club isn't the right one to get the most out of him or maybe city signed the wrong player the erling holland analysis depends so much on how many goals he scored in the previous match you know if he scored a hat trick he's the greatest player that's ever graced the premier league if he doesn't score then it's uh was he really that good of a signing should he have gone elsewhere i find it quite fascinating i mean i don't know for a player who scored 25 and 20 and people saying that maybe they're not getting the best out of him i don't know what the best out of him would look like, like i don't know what expectations are 
but it is as we've discussed previously on the podcast he is one of those players where it is all about how many goals he scores so in matches when he doesn't score goals he's not contributing a tremendous amount but that's never going to change that's just the style of player he is I do think it was in stark contrast to Harry Kane I'm sure Pep Guardiola was sitting there thinking you know he tried desperately to sign Harry Kane for a pretty extended period of time and Harry Kane is probably slightly a, a better fit in terms of how City like to play. Uh, he probably watched Harry Kane be the difference in that match and thought that he he would have rather had Harry Kane, at least for that match, alone. Obviously, Kane then also broke the Spurs' goal-scoring record. So Yeah, but Kane, but, but Kane isn't offensive enough, Eddie. I mean, he gets that criticism, too. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, he, yeah, when he doesn't <laughs> I'm score, sure City it, fans would find a way to say he's, you know, he's he's playing defensively too much. He's got to be up more forward. He's got to be completely out of the picture like Holland was. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, it's true. It's the same thing. When, when Kane doesn't score, then people accuse him of dropping too deep and not being selfish and not leading the line in the traditional kind of center forward style, which is what Holland does. So, yeah, you you can't win, basically. I mean, if... You know, if when you don't go well, people are going to find find reasons to criticize you. I mean, that's just to be expected. But yeah, I mean, it will be the next couple of weeks will be interesting for City because obviously all is not right in the City camp. So seeing how that plays out in the next you know two to three weeks with the Champions League coming back, there's a lot more going on. Things could go sour for them very quickly if there are major problems. Or we could get to the end of the season and think, wasn't it funny there was that time in February where we thought there were major problems and in the end they've you know won the Premier League and potentially the Champions League. And I guess the only other real result... I mean, I well, guess what I was going to say was it, there's so much criticism on them, but when you look at their point total and you go back to previous years that they've even won the Premier League. This is more for some of them than, than they were at in those years, you know? So it's like, it's, it's tough to criticize Helen and say he's not fitting in well and he's not improving them when they do have more points at this stage than they had in previous years they've won. And I know you can't compare, you know, previous years because the teams are different and what other teams are doing matter as well. But it's not as if they're dropping a lot of points compared to what they were at in previous years. No, but since the world cup in particular, they've not been as good. So that's, I think that's the real cause for concern is that, you know, they were firing on all cylinders for periods pre world cup. And since the world cup, even when they've won, they haven't looked great really. The second half against Spurs is probably the only time when they've looked particularly good since the World Cup break. So I think that's that's the real issue. Is they just don't pass that eye test right now. Yeah. But speaking of teams that really aren't passing the eye test, I mean, we've already said Liverpool don't get discussed on the podcast. Another you know, disappointing result for them. We don't have to go into it at all. But Chelsea, with their new £100 million plus man and... You know, a team being assembled for nearly billions also struggled to (laughs) 
do anything significant on Friday with their nil-nil result against Fulham. So their disappointing season continues whilst they might find themselves in hot water in the future for possibly being in breaking financial fair play rules themselves. So, See, I, I think you're looking at this wrong because I think what I see is you have a great race for who's going to win the Premier League. Then you have a great race for top four. And then you have a great race for top 10. And, and you have two great teams in Chelsea and Liverpool battling out to see if they're going to make the top 10 of the Premier League. You can't ask for anything more exciting than that. <laughs> no, I mean, look, it, it, from, a, from a neutral's perspective, this Premier League season is close pretty much everywhere. You know, I mean, right down to the bottom where you've got, you know, probably seven or eight teams who are involved in them and potentially could go down. So you're right. Chelsea and Liverpool <laughs> battling it out. Just not. I'm sure they're they so were, excited for that. <laughs> you know, not for possibly entering the, uh, you know, single digits Europa, of standings. <laughs> maybe Europa League if they can string a few results together. But yeah. now it's. Uh, and and I mean for them, right? For Chelsea and Liverpool, Spurs winning is a is a massive blow because you just would hope if you're them, you need Arsenal and City to beat all of the teams in and around that top four race. So for Spurs to pick up what would have been a slightly unexpected three points, it's you know, uh, will be disappointment for United, for Newcastle. And certainly for Chelsea and Liverpool, who I think it's impossible. You know, that gap now is 10 points to fourth place. I don't see how either one of them could get involved in the in the race for the top four, which for Chelsea will be, and Graham Potter, be diff- interesting to see how they handle that situation. And having spent so much money just now, they're going to really have to tighten their belts if they're going to be in line with financial fair play rules without the, you know, extra champions league (laughs) revenue. And for Liverpool where you have, you know, the American ownership group, the Fenway group who clearly don't love spending money, potentially the the club might be up for sale. It's we'll see if that goes through the, the drop in revenue will mean they're even less likely to spend money this summer, which will frustrate Liverpool supporters even more. Yeah, you know, looking back on these past few weeks, part of me wishes that United could have beaten Arsenal because then you're in a situation where you would have had those three would be, you know, right neck and neck and it would be an even better race. Whereas right now, I don't know if United has a chance. They're eight back, you know, and Arsenal yeah, has a game in hand. It's that's very unlikely. But if you told me they're five, no, it would have been what two back, right? Two back, yeah, with Arsenal with a game in hand. That what makes it a whole different story because I mean they look pretty good right now, and Rashford is just on an absolute tear right now. Yeah, no, it would have been a real three-way race at that point. A, but, a real yeah, menage a trois, <laughs> considering they don't. <laughs> That's the last three episodes I've got that in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting one for those playing Frank Bingo, uh, unexpected uh, wins. But yeah, I mean the other issue for them, as we've spoken about previously, the the goal difference. You know, they are twenty four behind City from a goal difference perspective, twenty behind Arsenal, 
So they you basically have to add in yeah. a point on. They're the Minnesota saying, Vikings of the Premier League. Yeah, so yes, they're three <laughs> points behind City, but realistically they are four because they need to be ahead of them yeah. to overtake them. So uh, yeah, that's I agree with you. It would have made things that bit extra. But you never know if they keep winning. If City, you know, who have to play Arsenal twice, beat them on both occasions, and United keep chugging along, they could find themselves in the title race. But it does seem a bit too big of a gap at this point. Now, we've talked a few times, Eddie. I I know this isn't a big NFL weekend because we're waiting for the Super Bowl the following weekend. So um, there was an uh, an event that shall not be named that took place that you don't want to discuss. But... There was some interesting news I saw that came up about an ex-NFL player, Jared Allen. So I'm sure you know who Jared Allen is, but those who don't remember, he was the defensive end that played for the Vikings for uh, a pretty long time, was really good. He has entered a new sport and is competing at age, I think, 40 now to make the next Winter Olympics. Do you want to guess what sport he's trying to make the Winter Olympics for Team USA in? Well, I mean, I I now know, so I can't <sighs> guess. <laughs> you just don't like surprises, Eddie. <laughs> I didn't know it was supposed to be a surprise. Well, you can go ahead and spoil it then. <laughs> curling. Yes, he is uh, competing for curling. So once he retired in 2018, he started playing with a few other NFL players who were I guess, regular curling players in Mark Bolger, uh, Keith Bullock, and Michael Ruse uh, of the Titans, and then Bolger was of the St. Louis Rams. But he didn't make the team that made the last Olympics, but he did compete in like the U.S. qualifying to see if his team would make it. But they just his team now, this year, has just beaten the team that did make it to the last Winter Olympics. So there's hope that his team is improving enough that come the next qualifying that they will be the team to make the Olympics. Do you think that's kind of crazy that not only is it a football player that is going to get into curling, but that he was like a lineman? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I guess the only curling probably doesn't seem a sport that's suited to being super big just in terms of the having to kind of get low to the ice at different moments. But you know my thoughts. You know I think I could make the Olympic curling team if I dedicated <laughs> six to seven months to it. So Does this no. further push some of your theories? A hundred percent. I mean, hundred. it's impossible for it not to. For the idea that a 40-year-old who has kind of barely played your sport until a couple of years before is now in contention to make because this is what we also have to throw in. Like the U.S. curling teams are genuinely good. Like it's different if you were making the curling team of, I don't know, sort of some, let's say, Japan who just aren't, you know, competitive when it comes to that sport in the Winter Olympics. But the U.S. curling team is up, you know, kind of competing for medals on a consistent basis. So, yeah, there's no way that this doesn't reinforce the idea that. If I dedicated, I might have to reduce the time period in terms of how long it would take me. But uh, yeah, I think this now just opens it up for pretty much anyone. If you have some athletic ability and coordination, 
if you're willing to dedicate yourself to curling, you might be able to go to the Olympics. So I, let me throw this out at you. I mean, you guys are pretty comparable. Josh, uh, Josh Allen, Jared Allen is 6'6", 270. Are you the same? Are you 6'6", 270? Oh, I'm 6'2". <laughs> okay, I, I, a little off on that one. All right. I'm not it, sure. For I'm the combine, sure. he ran a 4'7". Can you what run a 4'7"? What is this? What does it have to do with curling? None I'm just saying, athletic. you're right. That means that people can go into these things. But Jared Allen is also extremely giftedly athletic to start with. But it's not a sport where any of those athletic gifts help. You say that, but you don't know that. I'm sure hand-eye well, coordination matters a lot. I'm sure like, well, explosive none of this, matters. None of the statistics you've just listed have anything to do with hand-eye coordination. His 40 time doesn't make him more How about his hand size? He's got 9.38 inch doesn't, hand span. Doesn't. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the this is the point. Like you're not He was a given the position he played, if he'd been a wide receiver or something, you could maybe argue that he just has elite level hand-eye coordination. And I'm not I'm sure I mean, like anyone who makes it to the NFL, you're a pretty coordinated person. But he the position that he played and the success in his career mostly relied upon physical advantages, right? And the sport of curling, those don't help you at all. So it's not a sto- a case of wow, he's been able to apply some of the skills he had in the NFL to the sport of curling. They they don't they don't help him in any way whatsoever. So here's here's what he said about the sport of curling. He said it's so different than what we're used to as football players. I think that's why it wow. keeps me intrigued. Like the short game in golf, it's a game of finesse. You have to think two shots ahead. You have to learn how to control your body, your emotions, your heart rate. That took some time to reset. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the least interesting statements I could have. <laughs> but can you control your heart rate, Eddie? <laughs> Yeah, pretty well. But he's just told us that the sport of that the NFL and curling are quite different from each other. Not the same. I didn't need I didn't need Jared Allen to tell me that. I've never been I've never been watching the Winter Olympics and told people, you know, they say curling is the American football of the Winter Olympics. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's No, I mean genuinely just because the real reason is I know that in certain states or certain areas of the world, curling is pretty popular, including as a sort of in the way bowling is as like a casual activity for people, but still fundamentally the number of people who curl is limited. So your chances of breaking in to the sport at a high level are just greater than they are in other sports. Right. And then when you throw in even of the people who are doing it casually, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, over the course of the winter or whatever, we'll go curling on a fairly consistent basis and are probably really, really good, but have never really thought about trying to do it competitively. And so they might be the best curler in the world. The, the, the like messy of curling might just be a guy who lives in Vancouver who just goes for some drinks after work and is unbelievably good and has never decided to compete on an, in an organized way. But it's, 
What a disrespect I mean, to the national curling team. <laughs> it isn't, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, you're right, though. I guess Jared Allen doesn't have to be working at Home Depot as his day job like the rest of Olympians do. <laughs> no, I just think, I do, yeah, I just think curling would be, if you told me in order for, if there was like some bet and I had to make an Olympic sport, curling is the first one I'm I'm going for for winter olympics either winter or summer it's the it's the first it would be the first item on the checklist of like okay let's give this a go and see how obtainable i think this is there was a podcast I, we mentioned them before hamish and andy they tried to put together a curling team to try and make the australian <laughs> winter olympic team however they gave up on the idea because it seems from the way this is what I've read about the U.S. team, you kind of make it as a team. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, you compete as a team, but they then pick the best people. Oh. And they were then put off by the idea that like they that one of them would make it, but not all of them. And so they didn't think that kind of they wanted like the as if we decided to form a team and try and make the Olympics together for content. They didn't like the idea that we would do it and then like just you would make it. And then that kind of ruined the original concept that they were going for. But it seems like from from the way the U.S. competition is framed, if your team wins, that's the team that goes to the Olympics, which also kind of doesn't make sense. <laughs> that kind of plays into the idea that the sport of curling is not that serious if you could have... <laughs> Like, you could be one guy who's unbelievable, but just on a not great team. And it's like, sorry, you don't make the Olympics. Like, nothing we can do about it. Safe to say we're not going to get any future curling people on this podcast. <laughs> well, maybe we get one. I don't know. Maybe they agree with us. Or at least uh, yeah. with me. Or maybe we find that guy out in Vancouver that likes to drink beer and then curl on the side. Maybe we find him. Well, I'm sure we can find him. I just need to. <laughs> That finding that guy is not hard. We have to find the messy of curling who just is waiting in the wings. Okay. But yeah, no, a down week for the NFL. We've got in the NBA, there was the Kyrie Irving trade, which grabbed headlines. We've obviously discussed Kyrie Irving in the past. I don't think we have to spend too much time breaking down that trade, but it's good to see another team rolling the dice on a clearly toxic figure. So be interesting to see how long Kyrie Irving lasts in Dallas in rugby the Six Nations got underway England's Six Nations pretty much over in week one following a, <laughs> following a defeat to Scotland France survived a little bit of a scare from Italy and uh, Ireland's opening 20 minutes sort of helped them to brush Wales aside next week is the really interesting one because well, you've got a couple of interesting weeks coming up, but it, it looks like it will be a battle between Ireland and, and France for the Six Nations. So them going head-to-head -head could determine the winner. So that's that's Saturday lunchtime, so it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah. there. Saturday lunchtime in, in, in Europe. <laughs> because... Well, in the time... In the time I mean, we kind of had to pick a time. It's Saturday lunchtime for the... Yes. The scheduling of the Six Nations. Because I will say, it is such an issue here because I usually slightly forget about Six Nations, but I'll watch it 
but if I'm not thinking about it, I don't wake up and find a stream. But then it's on American television, but it's not live. It's never live. So, like, for instance, the England-Scotland match was on at, like, 3 in the afternoon, my time. And I was like, oh, sweet, Six Nations. And I was like, wait, this can't be live. And then you look it up, and it tells you the score, and it's like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going to watch it now. I know what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to know who that's for. Yeah, I, but I don't understand why you can't just have played it live. Because are there that many people that are that willing to watch a pre-recorded Six Nations match in the United States versus watching it live. Like, I feel like if they're going to watch, the people who are going to be interested in that would probably prefer to watch it live. It's not like the Olympics. Because, like, the Olympics does that. You know, they would do, like, the... No, but the Olympics only only does that in the U.S. I know they do, but they do it in the U.S., and people will still watch what had already happened during the day on, on like, the night feed because they just want to be part of the Olympics and watch the Olympics. But yeah. those are not the same, but you're not, you don't have people. I, I don't think at least that are in the States being like, Oh, rugby. Yeah. I'll sit and watch this at four in the afternoon. <laughs> I guess the only argument would be if you're trying to grow the sport in any way that by putting it on at a kind of more watchable time slot, you might get the casual viewer who flicks on and decides to watch a bit of rugby that would be the only thing, but you'd think you'd do both. You'd think you'd have it live originally and then at a more favorable time slot, which is what you see happen with like boxing, right? You'll have a fight here, for example, where you have, you know, if a fight's in Vegas and, in, and you know, it means it's going, it's maybe starting at two, three, four in the morning here. Yeah, you'll have the live option and then they'll repeat it the next day at 11 a.m., 3 in the afternoon, 5 in the afternoon, so that you can, it can be sort of more watchable for a normal person who's maybe not that dedicated to staying up or waking up to, to watch it. But to only have the repeated version means that the actual sort of hardcore audience for the sport is, like, I don't know, like, if you told me, in football, like, oh, the World Cup finals not being shown live. It's being shown th- four hours later. It's just like, nope, I'm going to find a yeah. way to watch it live, or I'm probably just not going to watch it at all. Yeah. Because the idea of just knowing, the what, <laughs> yeah, knowing what the result is and then trying to watch it, when you're not analyzing it, it just, I can't, I can't see the interest. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe if I had seen England had dominated. Maybe then I watch a little bit, but once I saw that they lost pretty badly, I, I didn't want to to put myself through that. <laughs> it, it was a good match, you know. It was a, it was a good match, um, and and had a couple of Scotland scored a couple of very good tries, including one uh, which is being dubbed the try of the tournament already. Although I think England's tackling has to be questioned, even if it's one of those where you strike the you have to decide do you want to credit the attacking skill or do you want to be overly critical of the sort of defensive mis mishaps almost uh, but and i think most people would try and favor focusing on the attacking skill but yeah no it was it was a good match then things for england aren't going super well and obviously the world cup is only 
a few months away. So not great to be, you know, eight, nine months out from a World Cup and not exactly in great form. Uh, you never know. Things could, the ship could ride itself in, in short time. I guess moving off of sports, because you said it wasn't a big sports weekend, it was the Grammys yesterday. A big day for, I don't know, the few people who still watch entertainment. Uh, Speaking of shows, things, I don't know shows. who it's for. I don't know. I don't know what. Oh, I know that. That's for. for that's for them. That's for the people I who know, are getting up on the has... stage who need to get more recognition than they already get. I just have one comment from it. It's more of a question for you. A little trivia question. Okay. There was maybe I don't. You don't even know a new. EGOT winner, someone who just got the Grammy this year to complete their EGOT quartet of the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. That makes now the 18th person to get all four. Do you know who won it this year to get it? No idea, no. Okay. I could so try and it was, string a guess together, but n- no. Forget it. There's no way. <laughs> it was Viola Davis who got the... Grammy for best audiobook narration and storytelling recording. Oh, that's, so that's so cheap, right? That's such that's, a cheap that one. That doesn't count. That doesn't no, count. That is such a cheap one. But she's now an EGOT winner. Can you name any other EGOT winners? I'll go f- has a hotly debated topic on the on in the podcast circle. Has Hugh Jackman won an EGOT? No. Damn. He must only be missing an Emmy, I would have assumed. I mean a Grammy. Oh, maybe an Emmy too. Maybe an Emmy too. Yeah, needs to get on that. <laughs> um, shoot, there are two. My. Well, there are three. There are a few recent ones, but there are two that are of like not super old that have recently won that are in like our era of pop, like pop culture popularity. I think, I mean, I don't know if I get the, the more recent ones. I think I'll cheat. Okay. Based on kind of trying the same Viola Davis bullshitty way. I'm guessing someone who's like a producer or something is more likely. So I'll go Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber has one in EGOT. But I was doesn't ca- I was going to give you the hint. Did you say producers? But again, that seems like... So Mel Brooks has won an EGOT. Yeah, that seems like a sort of... So before Viola Davis, Jennifer Hudson had won one uh, last year. And the only other one that you might remember recently was John Legend has also won. Is also an EGOT winner. Because he won an Oscar for music composition or something? What did he win his Oscar for? His Academy Awards for Best Original Song, Glory, from Selma in 2015. Uh, I feel like... I know what you're saying. If you're like a... I I, I know how you feel. Like, if you win an Oscar, it should be for acting. And if you win a Grammy, it should be for singing. You shouldn't be like a singer who wins an Oscar based off of singing or like score or something like that. And then also... If you're an actor and you win a Grammy, it shouldn't be from a narration of an audiobook. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, the narration of the audiobook doesn't count at all. Yeah, like that shouldn't be a Grammy. That sh- just shouldn't be a Grammy. 
talking shouldn't get you a Grammy. I mean, Jennifer Hudson's is pretty is pretty legit. So she was best supporting f- actress in Dreamgirls, and then yeah. she was uh, her Grammys were for her R and B album. Her Emmy is a little meh. Her Emmy is outstanding interactive media for a daytime program. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you who has no. the chance of like a true egot, like you're saying, Harry Styles. Because he already has the Grammys. I think he could one day win an Oscar and an Emmy for being in like an Oscar, obviously, but then an Emmy for being in like some sort of like HBO show that gets like a high profile yeah, one. Potentially. The Tony might be a little difficult. I don't know if he ever wants to do Broadway. Yeah. But he is I mean, like, he will be a true EGOT winner. Yeah. Yeah, no. I think that's that's what I take slight issue with. I yeah, if you're the John Legend legend one shouldn't even count. A- Andrew Lloyd Webber should as an egot. It's still impressive, right? I'm not taking I'm not saying they shouldn't get their Oscars or shouldn't get their Grammys or you know whatever it is. I'm just it's for basically the same like it's supposed to show that you're this multifaceted yeah artist and then it's like no 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 you want it for the fundamentally all of them for the same thing. Yeah. then you're not a multifaceted artist. It's mostly just mu- musicians who hit something in the Oscars and the Grammys and the Tonys, uh, Oscars, Tonys, and Emmys with like their song. But maybe that's a good transition for us then into the world of television. Speaking of potential Emmy winners and our coverage of The Last of Us, which season four, uh, season four, episode four just came out. We shifted away from the focus on a, a love affair and more and moved back in the direction of the, the kind of general storyline. I have to admit, I did not enjoy episode, I guess we'll say spoiler alerts from now on for anyone who's yet to see this episode of The Last of Us. I did enjoy this episode. I'm not saying that, but I did not actually enjoy this episode as much as episode three. So... I thought episode three so far is the best episode of the series. Episode four was good, but almost felt to me in some respects like more of a filler episode than episode three. Like very little really happened in this episode to significantly push the storyline along yeah. without much character development at the same time. See, well, I think I think it's a, a, a this will be a necessary filler because it it establishes the growing connection that the two have. You can definitely see the bonding that's forming between, between the two main stars. And that's going to, I think ultimately have a huge impact later on. So you kind of have to give that time to see them develop their, their relationship a little bit there. So that way, if something were to happen, it pays off and it's not just like, Oh, they probably, like each other now they've been spending time together but you actually get to see that how it's like progressing in real time and that was fine but yeah i agree with you i think this is the the least exciting episode so far there was like that that scene where he mows down those guys was pretty good but it was pretty short scene that was only about five minutes of action um so far i mean we're four episodes in and there's been very little uh zombies really you know like is it going to be like episode six and seven, just going to be not zombies, just like jumping from rooftops, you know? Like, <laughs> Well, the interest, because in the game itself, right, they're not being, the game is, the video game itself, you're not really zombie fighting. 
you're supposed to be fighting like Fedra the yeah is the thing that's pursuing you and they they shifted away from that in the TV show where Fedra is not the focus is the enemy it is more the the world itself that you're in and and the infected uh so but i mean which then when they are traveling through remote areas of the world where they openly acknowledge very little chance of their being infected here which yeah i mean it goes back to the idea that if you were just a survivalist this world is actually pretty survivable <laughs> because if you just did just go to a cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere in montana yeah you're probably okay or 10 miles outside of boston <laughs> yeah, not barring, even, yeah barring getting a serious neurological disorder <laughs> yeah the, I guess the suburbs, though, your risk is other humans, and as the show is trying to make out. But if you are just in the middle, kind of in the middle of nowhere, and there's no reason for people to really kind of be coming to where you are, you're pretty safe. Yeah. My only issue with this episode, I mean, I think they're very well done. I have a slight issue with the uh, – because every episode, it's kind of – it plays very video gaming where there's like a puzzle that has to be solved. And this week's puzzle was the bridge is blocked in one in one or both directions. But just thinking about how bridges and off ramps and exits work, I feel like it would be very easy to take an exit or an off ramp and then drive like against the grain and get back on the other side. Whereas they take an exit and next thing they know, they're in like downtown Kansas City. You're like, how did they get so far away that they couldn't be like, okay, there's the bridge. All right, we're a little farther away. We should probably go right at some point. Like, I think we've cleared the bridge now. Let's just go right. Like, they get so far and next thing you know, there's like freaking, I don't know, like injured Tommy in the middle of the road trying to to get him to stop. Like, where did this, like, how did they get so deep into downtown Kansas City? Yeah. No, I do agree with you. I mean, even just the possibility of driving completely off-road yeah, to just get to the other side of the bridge doesn't seem too challenging when you don't have to worry about the police. Yeah. You know, like... You can go on any does. way, like any path you want, any direction you want. It wasn't that long of a bridge. Like, he clearly could see through the other end of the bridge. Yeah, it was It was at most a couple hundred meters yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, no, it was... Uh, I do agree with you, but yeah, they're obviously their hands are tied a little bit there, I guess, from how the video game was dealt with. But no, it does seem like there would have been a smarter way. Even the decision making of giving the map, you'd think you'd sit down then and look at the map and go, okay, we need to take this road, this road, this road. You wouldn't hand the map to a teenage girl or whatever age who's she is, never seen a map who then, before who then rightly points out that it's only been two days that she's yeah. been in a car and, and seen a map before so yeah that's poor planning on his part i mean yeah it's very poor planning when you think about the one thing you just don't want to do is get into downtown kansas city where there's a lot of people let's take an extra 15 minutes here and really study what we want to do. Maybe even let's get out of the car, walk around the bridge a little, and see if there's any like immediate way or a road leading up or a path that we could go to, but not just back that car up into reverse and just let a let a teenage girl who's never read a map tell you where to go. That was not not good planning. No. And 
Yes, it could maybe show his lack of foresight and just that he's a bit impulsive, but for someone who survived 20 years in this <laughs> world, you would assume that he has more common sense than that for the most part. So, yeah, that does seem... Again, their hands are tied by the video game to a certain degree, right? But, yeah, they... I guess from the... They could have at least come up with that same video game approach of why you're forced into the direction that they were, and it doesn't really seem like they showed us enough to be like, they have to go to downtown yeah. Kansas City. Like, this is the only way through. That's what we just didn't see. Yeah, and even like even his preparations of, like, how has he survived this long and doesn't have a fully stocked, like, to-go bag? Because when they get in that shootout and they crash the car and then they end up, like, getting into the next building. He has a few minutes to go and grab if he has something essential that was back in that truck that is literally five feet from the guy they just killed. Like, how do you not have a, like, a really good go bag ready that has essential foods, extra ammunition, guns? All he does she is literally just carry his rifle. She has one. She, she's, yeah. she's been in the game for, for a week, and she knows how to make a go bag. And this guy survived for 20 years, and he doesn't have a, a, a pack loaded with stuff. No, that and the lack of automatic weapons. That's the other thing that's striking. Now, I'm going to assume from the video game's perspective, they intentionally sort of didn't involve automatic weapons because it might have made the game too easy, like killing the infected with an automatic weapon a little bit easier. So it might be that's why they might have, hey, it turns out you have to have a bolt-action rifle at this point. But it's inconceivable that bill wouldn't have had automatic weapons in his stash of guns and then to have chosen as your go-to weapon to be carrying on you like a bolt action rifle (laughs) i guess it doesn't jam that's the one good thing it's got going for it but aside from that it just seems pretty you think you'd have both yeah you know like i don't know why he's carrying a handgun one 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 rifle and that's it yeah i mean that that guy that was right off the set of zero dark 30 he had that automatic rifle ready to go that guy's like (laughs) they like went to whatever move like war movie was being filmed and picked like the the best looking guy that also could be in in a post apocalyptic world and just pulled him right from set like all right listen we need you for one to two episodes on the last of us you look pretty fucking crazy (laughs) Yeah. No, and that the motivations of people is is also going to be like the motivations of this group of people protecting Kansas City also kind of interesting. We didn't get enough. I'm sure we'll get more context over the coming episodes, but we don't really get a good enough understanding of just it's just everybody in Kansas City now. Are you either part of this militia we the people it looked like they were called or something yeah like are you either in the militia or they're killing you like is this how it works and just everyone the only people involved are now people of the ages of like 18 to 40 <laughs> and otherwise you're you're not useful for to them i don't like know that's but yeah yeah we'll uh we'll see what happens on that front and and what did you what was your take on the uh the moving ground 
that they came across. Oh, I see. I I have never played the video game, but I've heard that there are like different levels of the infected. And I know there's like a super level one. So maybe that's like the big, like the ultimate transformation one or the rat it, king as it gets referred to in the video game. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The one that's like combined. Okay. People. That one, or it's just a bunch of ones just ready to explode like a volcano. <laughs> Either one does not sound good. <laughs> I do like, I did like that part to it where, where Melody Litsky was just like, ah, let's deal with that tomorrow. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> We'll deal with that later. <laughs> Just close the door. It can't get through a door. It's closed. It's no. fine. Wait, a second ago we were terrified that the f- they were about to burst through the floor, but now we've just closed the door. <laughs> like first, for starters, he just went to casually. Hey, I got something to show you. Yeah, it wasn't being monitored during that period. No, opens the door. Oh, let me show you this. Oh my god. And then uh, let's just close the door and leave. <laughs> yeah, let's deal with that later. I, I'll tell you what is interesting, though, when you really think about some of the stuff, like I've, I think I said it last week, that they don't directly mention, but they give you hints towards and then kind of make you think about. The one this episode that got to me was that she's never had like proper entertainment. So like what she thinks is really, really, really funny is this terrible book of puns that if you gave to any kid nowadays, maybe not any kid, that's maybe that's a little too much, but given to most kids would read this through like for three or four minutes and be like, ah, yeah, this is dumb and like hand it back. But for her, like she's never seen television. She's never seen TV shows. She's never seen movies. She's never seen cartoons. Like this is the only form of entertainment she has. It's crazy to think about that, that she grew up with like, no entertainment, really, no pop culture besides probably like a very few select books that wherever she went to school had. It's like a pretty, like, it is pretty depressing to think about living like that. No, but then that raises the greater questions about why are people choosing to live in these protective zones versus doing, like at this point in time, if you know people like Bill exist, I would like if you if you're the two of them, you would have just thought you would stay where, like where you kind of discussed them that you'd stay in the in Bill's town. That would be the dream at this point. But still, the other goal would be like you know like let's let's find some remote cabin in Montana that's still in pretty nice condition, and 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 live there. Why are we going to live this miserable life? And I, I guess it's the interesting thing. The thing I don't believe, even though I think the world could break down at a fairly rapid pace and that there would be just uncontrollable violence for a period of time, I do think we'd bounce back to rebuilding the world way faster than these kind of predictions for what the world would look like would be. And so I do think there would be more people out there trying to build like a nice town and not just live in completely like slum chaos in downtown Kansas city. Like that's the bit sometimes I struggle with 
if I'm trying to try and apply it to the real world, I do think people would be like, life could be better than this. <laughs> like we, we, we don't all have to be in a militia. Like this but I think, is, right. But I think the issue, like people, the issue would be then that the militia would still just end that for you because they don't want you to have that. <laughs> no, you would need your own militia. Yeah. But you, you, <laughs> I like you, that. You, no, you don't need to be part of the militia. You just need to be part of a new militia that protects <laughs> you not being in a militia. <laughs> well, that's the way the world works, right? I know, I know. Armies. But, you know, that's like, it's just funny. But we, we would be like, hey, there's, so there's a hundred of us. 20 of us can be in this militia and they know and like these are the people who should be in a militia these are the guys like oh you were in the army before you're in the militia now versus do you know who we don't need in a militia this 45 year old woman who prior to the world falling apart had never picked up a gun before you know that's you're not ripping on melanie linsky are you (laughs) slightly she she seems to be like she's a good leader (laughs) does she yeah, she, she she took down her uh, OBGYN pretty quickly. <laughs> Which here here I had two actually that's my other my other gripe about this episode. One, you're you're in Kansas City, which is a major city. Do you think your doctor would remember that they gave birth to you, considering that in a city they probably do a hundred births a day? Well, helps with your yeah, I gave birth to you, but yeah. <laughs> birthed you yeah. helped birth you yeah. that i don't agree um, with and then second off does anyone really have a connection with the doctor that helped birth them like if doctor was like no you <laughs> i do you can't shoot me like i gave i helped give birth to you and it's like so <laughs> do i care <laughs> i guess the implication was which is the other stretch i don't think many people in a city environment yeah. The doctor that helps, no. like oversees your birth, is then like your childhood physician. Yeah, if it were a small or, town, I buy that slightly. Yeah, but those those are completely different roles. Yes. Whereas the implication was, I guess, that he was the childhood physician. So throwing in the birth role seems strange. If he had just the whole time said, "I'm your doctor," that would have made sense. Because, yeah, you you know, even in an urban, lots of people would have had the same doctor from the ages of, you know, 2 to 15. Yeah. That I can believe. But now, I mean, <laughs> but you say she's a good leader. She's not really not really on top of things. I'm just a fan of, of her in general. I think that's why I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> from a, That's from an acting perspective. I'm not being critical, but... The fact that she's obsessed the, the, that this one guy is responsible for everything, and we we know as an it's audience very video gamey, yeah, we know as an audience that he is not, maybe not a great leader. <laughs> so, the uh, lack of kind of like entertainment that you're ever going to have got me to thinking: what would be some of the things that would never have happened when this outbreak occurred that where it was basically after that. So I did some searching, found an amazing BuzzFeed article. I know you love BuzzFeed, Eddie, big fan. This is just entertainment, but I was thinking next week I'll dig up some sports ones to think of like what didn't happen sports-wise because I think that would have been right at the beginning of the Brady dynasty, right? That would have been the first year they won. Would have been that January. Uh, No, it was 2003. So he would have won. He won his first one in January 2002. 
So, okay. Yeah. So he would have, in this world, Tom Brady had still won a Super Bowl. We can be. Yes. No, no need to panic. So some of the things that never would now, have here's existed. Here's the question. Okay. Before you, is Tom Brady alive in this world? Has, has he no, survived? No, no, because he's not, he's not crazy yet. He's not TB12 Tom. TB12 okay. Tom survives. He's got like, he's got a bunker of underground <laughs> avocado ice cream ready to go for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, TV 12 Tom survives. 2002 Tom does not survive. All right. He's also, I guess, in Boston, which major reduces city. His chance of, yeah. Reduces his chance of survival. Okay. So some of the things that have not occurred, according to BuzzFeed, Shrek 2. I don't know that's that's what they start with. Okay, but Shrek One has. Which Shrek is One has. Important. So they so they've never seen the sequel. Facebook. Not not opened yet. And that also means then Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, all a nothing. Never existed. So it's just in this world, it's just MySpace. MySpace. Yep. You're living off you got MySpace people running around. <laughs> and Friendster, maybe, I guess. All of Rihanna's music. No, okay, no pawn to replay. No pawn to replay. I don't know why Rihanna is the like the first oh, I love musical Rihanna. reference. Yeah. But All right, how about this one? Shrek two. No Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's. I would argue that's bigger from a musical standpoint. Uh, but I'm I'm okay so far. Okay. I, this world, you, you're removing. I'm just saying, in my current life, if you stripped Shrek two. Rihanna, Taylor Swift, and Facebook away. So far, my life is pretty much unaffected. Never got the viral sensation of Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch. Completely okay. missed that. <laughs> or, he, or in this world, you did, but it was him passionately talking about a fungal infection. Cordyceps. <laughs> yeah. The Office, the American version, never happened. That's, oh, that's a, a big, big one. Blow to you. That is a huge for, for blow you. To me. Then if yeah. I'm surviving, I can't quote Michael Squat, Michael Scott at all. <laughs> you can quote you can quote Michael Squat. He is the <laughs> I got Michael Squat version. is what I got. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great one. I love this one because I secretly love this movie. The entire National Treasure franchise does not exist. <laughs> You don't secretly love this movie, Frank. You talk about your <laughs> love for National Treasure on a routine basis. Um, yeah, that doesn't affect my life in any way, shape, or form. You know who you never saw on the big screen? Jonah Hill. Never once. Hush. Damn it. <laughs> this show you never got to see that might have helped you survive? Lost. Didn't premiere yet. This I, I'll give whoever the BuzzFeed writer who was assigned this particular task not the easiest assignment because it's basically lists some things that happened after August 2003, which isn't necessarily the most fascinating list. But how they've gone about structuring this <laughs> is questionable. There's a reason why this person was working for BuzzFeed. And Eddie, what do you think you could do quicker? Make the national curling team or put out a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> I, I could probably do both simultaneously. 
This one I could I could go ahead. I could make the national curling team and then write in a BuzzFeed article of ten athletes who I think would excel at curling but have never tried it. Hint, it's not who you expect. <laughs> no. This is actually no. a good one they did here. So the outbreak starts September twenty third, two thousand and three. On September twenty ninth, less than a week later, Mr. Brightside by the Killers hits the airwaves. Never heard the song Mr. Brightside. <laughs> no, but see, and then I'd argue we probably do. Like it gets leaked, right? Because it exists. It's been recorded. So that means that Mr. It was Brightside written before then. So obviously maybe well, yeah, some no, people it's recorded. know. They'd, it's been recorded. It, it, it gets out there. So that's just the song of the apocalypse. All the young kids out there never saw Hannah Montana. <laughs> okay. I'll give I'll give credit. I think Anna Montana is not our generation, right? But it is more significant than a lot of the things that have been listed so far. Anchorman. Well, this one specifically says Anchorman quotes. Don't got them. Can't use them. That escalated quickly. Would have been great to use during the pandemic. Unfortunately, <laughs> you can't use it. <laughs> yeah. Kill someone with a trident. <laughs> can't use that one. Probably could have used it. <laughs> yeah, the, the world might be. I'm in a glass case of emotion. I'm sure Joel said that before, but he didn't know he was quoting Anchorman. <laughs> Game, of Th- Game of Thrones and Grey's Anatomy. The Grey's Anatomy surprises me. I feel like that show's been on forever. Yeah, now Game of Thrones doesn't surprise me at all, but. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, it can't be far off when Grey's Anatomy started, because I definitely know, like 2005, when I went to university, I, Grey's Anatomy was on TV. I'm pretty sure about that. So I would put Grey's Anatomy right at like the 2004 to 2006 range for when it started. Yeah. You're four years away from their number 17 invention of the iPhone. Not even close. Now we're just getting a little. I mean, now we're just getting the, a little pathetic. Of, well, no, I mean that's that's the real one. That's so far. That's the real thing. Like the technology that didn't exist. Yeah. Is like because the lack of a smartphone. Lack of a smartphone and your pre Facebook. So that's like the social media aspect of it. How far back you are. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy. By the way. First aired in 2005, just for our listeners who were desperate to know that piece of information. But yeah, the lack of a smartphone. I mean, I guess some smartphones. I got my first. My first smartphone was like the Microsoft smartphone that came out. It was like a Windows based smartphone. One of probably the worst purchases. I asked for it for Christmas, but probably one of the worst purchases I ever had in my life. The thing was completely useless. And there were not phone plans that were adapted to the idea of like browsing the internet on your phone. So your phone bill would just rapidly increase if you tried <laughs> to use like any of the functionalities of the phone itself. It wasn't a smart idea. But not having... Because it's true once the internet goes down, your smartphone a little bit limited. But at Produces. least you have had apps and stuff to entertain yourself. If they're pre-downloaded, imagine yeah. you had it in the cloud and you forgot to download like your favorite game. <laughs> that would suck. 
<laughs> like, you know, when your phone does that automatically, sometimes it, like it's running out of space and it throws something up to the cloud, you'd be super pissed. Especially if one was like a maps program. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. All of that. And it, as things started to go wrong, you might have been able to plan then of like the apps you really needed to have on your phone <laughs> and the information you needed to take down really quickly. Yeah. Although you yeah, can't really charge it unless you got a generator anyway. No. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, a few dumb ones and then I have two last ones that would hit home for you. So the dumb ones, Napoleon Dynamite, Ashley Simpson lip syncing on SNL, Crank That <laughs> Soldier Boy. <laughs> Okay. And the Kardashians all never made it to air. I, I, well, I'm also sure the Kardashians didn't make it. <laughs> I, I don't foresee them being no. much survivalists. But the two Soldier that... Boy is probably alive. <laughs> He's, he cranked that. That's why. The two <laughs> things that would hit home for you, Eddie, there is absolutely no... Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it would all be worth it. <laughs> I could watch I could watch the world fall apart if you told me that it meant that there would be no Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would sign up. And lastly, Eddie, unfortunately for you, YouTube did not come into existence until 2005. <laughs> yeah, that one that one hurts. <laughs> that one. My life without YouTube. I mean, you listed about three things there that would actually radically impact my day-to-day -day life. And YouTube, sadly, is definitely one of them. And, yeah, I mean, I would... The Ashley Simpson lip-syncing. I mean, that changed my life after I saw that. It's a SNL was never the YouTube. same. YouTube many times. But... <laughs> now i and it would suck to be a kid in this in the world would would suck there'd be little very little motivation and this is the thing that i struggle with you are a severely depressed of, child i mean you have no fun funness like there's no fun things to watch to listen to but this is my issue because no one's put in any effort to establish anything positive in most of these worlds we don't know that. Maybe there's like a traveling circus troupe or something that goes from QC to QZ. <laughs> but like, what's the point in living seems to be a fundamental question in this world. Not dying. Just, yeah. <laughs> and look, I know that's a reality for a lot of people in a lot of places in the world. So I'm not saying there are situations you can find yourself in where the only focus is not dying. However... For the most part, over the history of humanity, I think we've shown that we try and elevate ourselves above just the concept of just existing to stay alive. And again, it makes me question why Tess and Joel didn't think to themselves, let's go and live in Billstown. Like, yeah. they have found a way to have a life that isn't just not dying. They actually have a pretty nice life. And if you made that... 10 people that's a really nice life you know you have to like fake their deaths so people don't realize they've left because then maybe someone goes looking for them and then you get into an issue with the militias i don't think in this world <laughs> faking your death is the hard part 
I don't think someone goes, hey, we haven't seen Frank in a while. What on earth could have happened to him? I don't know. He could have been killed by a militia, bitten by an infected person. Or maybe he ran away to an isolated town 10 miles outside of Boston that we need to find. (laughs) Yeah, let's go looking for him desperately. Well, thank you to Andy Golder from BuzzFeed for that article. There's someone who, based on that little insight into their work, they are just living to survive. That is that is some unfulfilling work that they're having to put together for BuzzFeed. He's been a member since 2015. Do you want to know what his Not top really. post is? <laughs> let me know. I don't know why. I feel bad for just shitting on this random person, but yeah, let, let me know. <laughs> Title, The Miss Universe Contestants Wore National Costumes and Miss Ukraine Looks Badass. Top post. What a career. I mean, he should be thinking to himself in in this world, careers like his do not exist. Yeah. He's a senior staff writer and is a pizza enthusiast, another thing that no longer exists. No. Yeah, we've yet to see pizza. Chef Boyardee made the cut, but no pizza. That would be tough. No pizza and no like cheeseburgers is tough for me. That's at least three to four meals a week for me. Although, again, in Bill's town, both <laughs> easily doable. I guess cheese would be your... Oh, would be I bet issue. you Bill had a beautiful brick oven pizza in his backyard. Pizza maker. He probably no, made it, built is, a nice one. Cheese is your problem. No, he's got he's got farm animals. He can get the milk and just make it himself. We didn't see any. Yeah, cows remember he or... slaughters like he's slaughtering the animals. But he can I milk anything with him. nipples. <laughs> There's a quote. You know what? Wouldn't wouldn't be funny in Last of Us because Meet the Parents hadn't come out yet. <laughs> well. I'm sure Bill was milking a lot of things, but I I assumed that the uh, I take it back getting was, that Joe crushes in last in that world because <laughs> it came out in the year 2000. <laughs> uh, so it's prime. That's a recent hit. I assumed that the meat they were getting was from him hunting. I didn't think he had like. Uh, bunch of cows or goats somewhere yeah i'm not cows i definitely doubt that but maybe chickens perhaps or lamb but yeah i don't see where he's getting milk from so i think cheese is cheese you can have a hamburger you know what that that fake vegan cheese lasts forever i bet you they got some at the grocery shop i wouldn't even eat the pizza if you put fake vegan cheese on it in 2003, does fake vegan cheese exist? Uh, probably not. What a terrible time for an apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, terrible time if you had a gluten intolerance. The world no, has great time. To your, because well, <laughs> you survive initially. Yeah, the, yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe this is all. Is this like a big anti gluten? Oh, for sure. 100%. This is this, <laughs> this is, is just it. what we're getting. But yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, the more and more I see of the world, the more I just think to myself, if I survive that initial 
two months. I'm just trying to be somewhere remote, off living with six friends. Do you even have six friends? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that's the try to. The issue I would have is I don't have six friends. My the six people I would trust. Are they not are not very place. helpful. Well, well, that's true. I don't have a lot of friends with the skills you would need. No. Like, I, Off the top of my head, person. if you tried to form a, a Paris crew, then you guys are not surviving very long. First off, you have one that will just kill every one of you for fun. <laughs> <laughs> then you have another one who will probably make advances on you for fun. <laughs> Uh, the severe lack of electrical skills would be the big issue. You need someone who, for starters, you need an you need engineer, a generator, and you need a generator. Yeah, like that's that's clear. This world is, which is, would be the benefit of going somewhere remote. There's a good chance that the place might have a generator anyway. So yeah. you might just get lucky. And you need then some access to fuel supplies, which is tougher. Yeah, and as Joel points out, gas doesn't stay perfect for 20 years. So it gets tougher and tougher as time goes on. Makes the interesting thing in terms of their decision in terms of like when he parks and how he's managing that fuel. If your fuel gauge is not an indicator of how long you can drive for, that's got to be tough. Yeah. I mean, that also raised a question to me a little bit of like why you chose to drive off into the woods to sleep. I don't think it was that far. Weighed, <laughs> no, but I kind of weighed up there. Like, are you better just sitting on the If you are remote, like, are you better just on the road? Like, what's the advantage of going into the woods? Because there's a lot of talk of these raiders but I haven't seen them yet very much. I don't know if they just like actively patrol the roads every night. Yeah. Or do they actively patrol the woods? Because yeah, That's what I, I thought that. But my thing was when he first pulled into that open field, I was like, oh, this is perfect. You have a great line of sight. You can see something coming like a mile away. And then he keeps going into like this woods that you can barely see 20 feet ahead of you. And I was like, is this the best option? I guess no one can see you in that sense. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But you can get snuck up on pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where you would choose, whether you'd be safer. And that's the downside to only having one adult. Because you would really like to take turns in terms of like guard duty. Yeah. It's hard to trust the 13-year-old. A gun-happy 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's my last thing, and we can wrap up. How come anytime someone shoots someone for the first time in, in a situation like this, they always severely maim them but don't kill them? Like, that's a trope that we kind of got to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, especially she was pretty much point blank range, shooting him in the back. Yeah. It happens all the time in movies when it's like someone who's never shot before and then their first shot and they're not sure if they can do it. And then they don't kill them, but you just have a person like crying and pleading in pain. 
I did like that guy deserves some credit for his crying and pleading. Good pretty acting good. job. Yeah, pretty good. So sold the bargaining, like the process that you'd probably go through if you're really desperate to survive. Off but, the heels of almost trying to kill the that same person he's begging with 20 seconds ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would turn immediately. I would I would also be giving that person my knife. <laughs> yeah. Like, here, take it all. <laughs> Just please don't please don't shoot me. It's a good knife. But yeah. It, <laughs> Their decision making post killing them too was weird to me. Like I know they suspected more people would be coming, but their decision to just go into a building—I don't know—I would have attempted to maybe get the car out. Like I would have probably run through some. Well, I mean, all four tires though are shot. I guess, but I would have. Or do they have a car? Yeah, you know, like I would have. I would have tried to have thought about getting away more than just let's go and hide in the adjacent building for a while and see what happens. Which again, uh, just to wrap it up, brings me back to my point is how did they get this deep into the city when they just took the exit before the bridge? Like they are deep in that city. They crashed into like a laundromat in the, in an alleyway. Like you're not off the highway anymore. No. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Didn't look much like Kansas City to me either. Not that I am that well, familiar with That's because it's pre-Patrick Kansas. Mahomes. They have nothing to celebrate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No Travis Kelsey. No a- Andy Reid isn't wandering no. the streets of Kansas City. Do you Kansas know who's City. the current coach? 2003 Kansas City Chiefs? I do not. I'm pretty sure it was Dick Vermeil. It was. Unfortunate for Kansas City, too, because they were 8-8 eight and eight in 2002. That following year, they then go on to be first in the AFC West with a record of, uh looked like 13, 13 wins. Three. Yeah. That's a tough beat for Kansas City. <laughs> so close. Yeah. So there are a couple of weeks into the season when this all happens. How many there? Uh, we'll discuss this next week, actually. Yeah. They had a great team, though. Tony Gonzalez, Dante Hall, Priest Holmes, Willie Rofe, Will Shields, a bunch of all pros. All right, we'll save that for the the BuzzFeed article next week. (laughs) Maybe I'll try and write one and send it and see if I can get it published in BuzzFeed. Okay, go for it. All right, I'll talk to you later. See you. Cheers.